Hi, everyone, and welcome to Things We Said Today, a Beatles podcast uh, where we discuss anything and everything about the Beatles together and solo. My name is Darren DeVivo, uh, and I am one of the three hosts of Things We Said Today. I'm from WFUV Radio in New York City, uh, located at 90.7 FM and also at 90.7 FM HD2. Uh, you can stream WFUV anywhere and listen at WFUV.org or get the WFUV app and listen there. And if you have a smart speaker, you can tell your smart speaker or be polite and ask your smart speaker to play WFUV. I've been at WFUV since uh, 1983, started, um, did my first show actually in February 1984, and I'm still there. And and it gives me great pleasure to introduce my uh, colleagues here on Things We Said Today. You know Ken Michaels. Ken's been hosting Beatles programs on the radio for close to 40 years now. And he has hosted over 2,000 individual Beatles-centric programs. And we're going back to the days at WDHA in northern New Jersey. And I uh, even spent a little time on XM Radio. Uh, his current radio program, Every Little Thing, is on hiatus, normally heard on WNHU in Southern Connecticut, Wednesday nights at 8. But uh, a little something called COVID-19 came around, and uh, WNHU was, uh, I guess, Ken, they've shut down, right? They're not on the air at the moment? Ever since the beginning of March, and so, um, so everything on the station is really automated. Okay, so there is something being broadcast eventually, we would think. They will throw the doors open and every little thing will be back with Ken Michaels on WNHU. In the meantime, uh, Ken also hosts a syndicated version of Every Little Thing. Uh, and he'll tell us later on in the program uh, where you can listen uh, to his syndicated program, which is virus immune and has a mask. Ken, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, Darren. Hi, Darren. Hi, Alan. Hi, all the Beatle people. Where do they all come from? <laughs> and the Alan that Ken makes mention of is Alan Cozen, a music critic for roughly four decades with the New York Times. He still is writing about music and can be read in a variety of publications, including the New York Times, but also the Wall Street Journal, just to name two. Alan also has a couple of books under his belt, um, one called The Beatles, From the Cavern to the Rooftop. The other, Got That Something, How the Beatles' I Want to Hold Your Hand Changed Everything. And uh, also, on a happy, happy note, not that anything I just said was sad, <laughs> a happy anniversary to Alan and his wife, Paula, who just celebrated a wedding anniversary. Alan Cozen, our other host on Things We Said Today. How are you, Alan? Um, fine, Darren, and thank you very much. And hello. Happy everybody. anniversary. Yeah, thanks. How many years are we uh, up to now? Seven. Okay, and are you living in the house now yet? Yes. <laughs> Good. All right. Because I'm, we're up, we're past twenty-five, and I'm still in the garage. But <laughs> anyway, so it's Ken Michaels, it's Alan Cozen, I'm Darren DeVivo. This is things we said today. This is going to be a Ringo-centric show. But first, Ken Michaels has about a year's worth of news to share with us. Ken. Well, first of all, let me just say because of uh, computer issue that I had on my home computer. We did, weren't able to do a show for a few weeks, and we came back last week, and because of uh, 
you know, time constraints, we didn't have time to have news in our last show. So basically, we've got three to four weeks worth of news here. So some of this may not be all that new to you, but I just want to cover all bases here just to make sure everybody knows and uh, keeps up to date on everything. But as we speak, and we're doing this show on June the 30th, news just broke right before recording this about Ringo, who, as as we know, is about to celebrate his 80th birthday on July the 7th. And now we know that uh, since, because of the COVID-19, he can't do what he normally does and have a peace and love event where he's with the fans outside. Usually he has it at the Capitol building in Los Angeles. Uh, instead, there's going to be a special program that will be broadcast on his YouTube channel. And this will be on his birthday, July the 7th. And they're saying the time will be 5 p.m. Pacific time or over on the East Coast, it's 8 p.m. And it will feature performances from Ringo, Paul McCartney, and Joe Walsh, also Gary Clark Jr., Cheryl Crow, Sheila E., and Ben Harper. Now, this looks to be something that I really don't know all the details. It seems like it's a bunch of already recorded performances on stage mixed with home performances, something that was recorded specially just for this. That's the impression that I'm getting from the press release. Hmm. But um, it's going to be also to raise money for charity. There's four charities to benefit from this broadcast. There's Black Lives Matter, uh, Global Network, the David Lynch Foundation, Music Cares, and Water Aid. And I'll just read a little bit of the press release here. Uh, Ringo says, as everyone knows, I love gathering with fans for peace and love on my birthday, but this year I want everyone to be safe at home. So I called up a few friends and we put this big birthday show together so we could still celebrate my birthday with you all with some great music for some great charities. I hope you will all join me. Peace and love, Ringo. This broadcast will also feature the premiere of a guest star version of Ringo's song, Give More Love, which was created to benefit Music Cares. And it features Jeff Bridges, Jackson Brown, T-Bone Burnett, Elvis Costello, Rodney Crowell, Steve Earle, Peter Frampton, Ray Wiley Hubbard, Kenny Loggins, Michael McDonald, Keb Moe, and Willie Nelson. <laughs> so it says here, additionally, there will be a playlist of unique tribute performances on Ringo's YouTube channel. This will include musicians who have previously recorded Ringo songs performances from past birthday celebrations, as well as some new versions, which artists will be posting on their socials. So it says, look for musical tributes from Ben Folds, Ben Dickey, Betty LeVette, Colin Hay, Elvis Costello, Greg Raleigh, Judy Collins, Peter Frampton, Richard Marks, Steve Earle, Steve Lukather, and many more. So I'm wondering, and this is just a guess, that maybe the Paul McCartney appearance might be when he was at Radio City celebra celebrating Ringo's 70th birthday, they may put that into the special. I don't know for sure. Could be something Paul just submitted to Ringo, uh, a live performance in concert on stage. That's how I'm interpreting this, but I could be wrong. I don't okay? know. The way the press release was written, the, w the way they were grouping people, it, it, it almost looked like Paul was going to do something with Joe Walsh, which would be unusual. Um, at least that's hmm. how I read it. Uh, I don't know. I'm just looking for it now. 
No, yeah. it says yeah. there'll be concert footage, concert footage from Star, Paul McCartney, and Joe Walsh, as well as Gary Clark Jr., Cheryl Crow, Sheila E., and Ben Harper, and more. Yeah, I guess there are two ways to read that, and probably the way I'm reading it is not the way it's meant to be read. <laughs> but it says concert footage, where mm. those people are applied. So I'm thinking it has to be something from Paul in concert in recent years, or maybe only because this is a birthday special. It could be from Ringo's 70th birthday, that would seeing Paul and Ringo together. Yeah. Doing birthday. So, yeah, well, <laughs> well, we shall see. It's called Ringo's, uh, Ringo's Big Birthday Show. Okay. That'll be July yeah. 7th on YouTube. You know what they should do since, you know, they basically have made us are making us wait for another year for Let It Be. They should take a clip from from the new version, the, the Peter Jackson version, something that wasn't in the original Let It Be and screen that just as a teaser or something since we have to wait so long. Uh, yeah, well, as that is part of our news, the fact that the um, the film for Get Back being postponed till next August. Um, does that also mean that everything else is postponed, which I believe it will be all the audio in connection with let it be. I think definitely, I, I, my feeling is definitely, especially since we really didn't hear anything, uh, concrete, you know, about the let it be release itself, box set and whatnot. So it makes sense to hold it. You know, uh, I would think also manufacturing, of the box set was affected by the pandemic. Mm. Um, if, if there was plans on, you know, getting it out, say by, by this summer or late summer, you know, the um, music industry as everything else has been completely turned upside down. I mean, uh, when it comes to new releases alone, there are many artists that have postponed their albums coming out for a variety of reasons, including manufacturing. Mm. Um, you know, and even if you've attempted to purchase some music, maybe from an artist's website or whatnot, it's take, you know, it's taking a long time for shipping because warehouses are either uh, closed or, you know. So I would think that the um, Let It Be stuff is probably going to be 2021. Now that I've said that, they'll probably issue a press release tomorrow uh, <laughs> saying, you know, that it'll be out this summer. But uh, it makes sense to kind of have everything kind of together. Yeah, it should be coordinated together. Since, Although since they've already you know, missed the anniversary, so so it's yeah. not like they have to aim for that. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I I like the idea of them both coming out relatively close to each other, and since it's towards the end of the year, it's ideal for Christmas time too. So that's how I see it anyway. Mm. All right, to get to other news here. Well, speaking of Ringo. He was just interviewed in Rolling Stone magazine and gave an interview 34 minutes long uh, talking about his peace and love event. Uh, he says he hasn't left his house for 11 weeks now. When asked what it's like to turn 80, Ringo said, pointing to his head, I'm 24 in here. Hmm. Then he added, it's a difficult one. 70 was easy. 40 was the hardest. It's like that damn song, Life Begins at 40. I hope he's not referring to John's song. He said, this one's going to be what it's going to be. And he says, it's really like I'm still 79, but I'll be celebrating my 80th properly next year. Okay, mm -hmm. But at the same time, he was alluding to a, a one-hour special 
in the works without giving all the details about it. So that must be what we just talked about. <laughs> all right, uh, more news. Sometimes one picture we've never seen before can actually be a major story. And that was the case on Paul's birthday, June 18th, when a photo of George and Paul holding up acoustic guitars in the recording studio was posted by the Harrison family online. And it's been determined, at least through, I'm told, detective work from Robert Rodriguez, that it's from the January 3rd, 1970 sessions for I Me Mine. As none of us have seen this photo before, it was shared widely online. And I'm sure the two of you saw this photo. Mm-hmm. Yep. What'd you think of it? Nice photo. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what it's uh, like? You, you feel nice. like you've seen everything. Yeah. You know what it's like? You feel like you've seen everything. So anytime you see a photo before that's that's completely new to you, you say, what, what is this? Right. And um, yeah, but uh, being how that was the last recording session, really, with uh, right. Paul, George, and Ringo, it has extreme historic significance it was it was it was it's an interesting photo because you find yourself looking at it and trying to kind of like go inside george's head and paul's head you know they're both looking down at their instruments they're both serious you know what was going on between you know what was the vibe at that point in the studio between the two of them that's what i took away from the picture is what was going on in their heads on mm-hmm. uh, the expressions on their face. Other than that, I mean, it's very easily, if, if it's not pointed out that this was taken at this particular time, it's very easy to just say, there's a picture of Paul and George in the studio and move on. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, both strumming acoustics. So um, what song, I guess, what what could they, could they have been? I mean, mine, if it, if it was January yeah. 3rd, 70. Yeah. Apparently, so, uh, apparently, at that session, the three of them also um, spent some time trying to determine whether John was serious when he said he wanted a divorce and the Beatles was over. John wasn't mm-hmm. there to answer because he was in Denmark. So, right, yeah. Hmm. Well, you also have to wonder if this might be something that uh, could be part of the Let It Be box set. You know, if we see photos in it that we've never seen before, there could be a contribution like this from that's the Harrison true. family or more of that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Mm. OK, more news on June the 20th. The charity concert was streamed online called Round Midnight Preserves. It featured the Preservation Hall jazz band with special guests that include included Paul McCartney in an effort to raise money for the Preservation Hall Foundation and their musicians. All donations for the free stream were matched by Spotify. Paul performed at the very end of the broadcast and played trumpet and sang when the Saints go marching in with the jazz band. And also playing along and singing along were Elvis Costello, Dave Matthews, Dave Grohl, and Irma Thomas. And if you wish to make a donation, you can do so by going to... It's P-R-E-S for preservation, then H-A-L-L for hall, foundation.org, or you can text preservation at 707070. Did either of you see uh, this performance? Sure. Yes. I happened to catch it totally uh, thanks to a friend of mine online who uh, uh, had sent me a message because I sort of forgot that the show was on. So I was actually flipped it on in time. 
to see Paul at the end. And then I asked, I asked him, I said, was, is that it? Did I, he said, no, that was, that was it. That was Paul's appearance. So, uh, you know, um, I was able to catch it and it was cute. You know, it, it caught me by surprise. I'll tell you that. It, it sure looked like if you were watching the entire show waiting that Paul was not, was going to be a no show. That's the impression I got. Yeah. You know, cause it was so at the end. Well, he was one of the major names listed mm-hmm. for being in the show, so I wouldn't have expected him to be a no-show. But uh, just to watch him play the trumpet, and I would say probably not playing it all that well, <laughs> but it, it really it matched the but that song. that was the charm of it. That helps. Yes. The charm, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I really liked the, the sound of his voice. It was like a scowling kind of a voice, which worked for the song. Yeah. You know, that's what I've been saying every now and then when we talk about his his the state of his voice. And I've said, you know, he should do he should sort of reconfigure everything and do it like one of those old blues guys, you know, where it's it's down a bit, uh, a few keys lower and it's in his voice. And if it's a growly sound, it doesn't matter because that's what it is, you know, Mm. instead of trying to do it as he did it when he was 24. You know, and mm, and right. I kind of liked it. I kind of liked hearing hearing him do that. Um, I I'd heard somewhere that that was Louis Armstrong's trumpet. I heard that too. I and think so I heard possibly the vocal, yeah. possibly the vocal was supposed to capture Louis Armstrong too. That's what I thought. Yeah. When I heard it as it was going out live, I thought he was trying to be Louis Armstrong. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if but, we can verify if, if that's his trumpet or, and, and whether Paul owns it. I think they said that in the broadcast at the very end, that that was Louis' trumpet. Ah, I didn't hear that. Okay. I know I heard it somewhere. So, And also, the song has some Beatle connection to it, since the Beatles backed up Tony Sheridan on that song. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, there's another Paul connection to it. Which is? Well, if you remember not so long ago when the uh, Red Rose Speedway Wildlife Live in oh, New yeah. thing came out, it's they mm-hmm. stuck it on as a bo- secret bonus track at the end of African Yeah Yeah. He, he played it in the studio and he played the trumpet pretty much exactly the same way. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least his trumpet playing hasn't gotten worse. <laughs> it's consistent. <laughs> Okay, some other news items here. June 25th marked the 53rd anniversary of the Our World broadcast of the Beatles performing All I Need Is Love. To mark that occasion on the anniversary on YouTube is a new performance of the song done Zoom style with uh, Alan Parsons, David Pack, Michael McDonald, Peter and Natalie Noon, and Justin Fox. And the song's been recorded as a fundraiser for the Council for Alcoholism and Drug Abuse, helping thousands of people in the Santa Barbara and surrounding areas. And if you'd like to make a donation to that organization, you can go to their website, which is cadasb.org. Seem to have a lot of news here about Beatles songs being used for charities. <laughs> and um, speaking of which, Miley Cyrus performed help on the TV broadcast called Global Goal, Unite for Our Future. And that's to benefit the Global Citizen Platform. Another charity right there where uh, a Beatles song has been covered. Okay. 
Ringo Starr drums on a new song from singer, songwriter, and producer Beck Black. The song is called Who's Gonna Save Rock and Roll? And Bruce Sugar, who is Ringo's co-producer for his most recent albums, co-produced and co-wrote the song with Beck Black. And certainly to my ears, it sounds like a missing person song from the 80s. There's uh, a new video for the song now up on YouTube, and Ringo is in the video just briefly at the beginning and the end. Okay, British uh, singer, songwriter, and entertainer Dame Vera Lynn, whose songs lifted the spirits of troops home and also abroad during World War II, has died. She's best known for the song We'll Meet Again, which you do hear at the uh, opening of the Beatles anthology. Since it was a popular song at wartime, that's what makes it newsworthy here on the show. I was show wondering what the connection was. <laughs> well, I got a quote from Paul here, too. Okay. So that song, We'll Meet Again, was used there in the Beatles anthology while they're covering the births of the Beatles in Liverpool during war, uh, wartime. And um, Paul made a statement on Twitter on Vera Lynn's passing. He says, Dame Vera Lynn was a strong and inspiring lady who has done so much for Britain. I am so sad to hear of her passing, but at the same time, so glad to have met her and experienced firsthand her warm, fun-loving personality. Her voice will sing in my heart forever. Thanks, Vera Paul. And we should all be blessed to live as long a life as Vera Lynn. She was 103. God bless her. You know the Pink Floyd connection with Vera Lynn? I don't. You do not. Okay, The Wall, the song Vera is about Vera Lynn in the, on the wall, in the wall, under the wall. And in the movie, uh, her uh, rendition of the little boy that Santa Claus forgot is playing in the background during the opening scenes of the film. Um, so That's amazing information, Darren. Yeah, well, Vera, I mean, because she was... Uh, uh, so popular uh, during World War II in England, Roger Waters wrote Vera, and that was part of the, the wall story. And uh, you hear, uh, again, like at the beginning of the film, uh, if you can picture the scene where it, the camera's traveling down the hotel corridor, you hear Vera Lynn in the background. Uh, and it's the little boy that Santa Claus forgot is the song. Okay. A Vera Lynn Beatles and Pink Floyd connection. Right there. I'm sure many of you know that the Chicago Fest for Beatles fans, due to happen at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare, August 7th through the 9th, has been canceled. However, like uh, the recent one that we had in New York, they are planning a virtual fest for that one. And so hopefully we'll try to get involved with that and maybe do a panel. Maybe it'll be a Talk More Talk and Things We Said Today panel. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. It was really incredible what was pulled off with that virtual fest uh, the last time. Now, this is something that I don't have a follow-up on. Maybe, perhaps, Alan knows more. Um, I'm sure that you heard a few weeks ago that there was a court battle that was supposed to start on June the 16th over a tape that Jeff Emmerich had in his possession since 1962 of a jam session of the Beatles and Jeff died in 2018. It is said that the recording was deemed not good enough sound quality, and Jeff was asked by EMI to destroy it, but he kept it instead. It is believed to be worth five million pounds. Hmm. And now the Universal Music Group, who took over EMI in 2012, 
are going to court over who the tape belongs to. Emmerich's family is citing Finder's Law, and they do say that on the demo, Love Me Do is on there. Mm-hmm. Now, have you heard anything more about this possibly, Alan? Yeah, it seems to be uh, the June 6th, 1962 session tape. Right. Um, which, you know, back in those days, EMI tended to erase everything that it wasn't using. And they probably asked him to erase it. And that, I think, is probably going to be a central part of the legal argument. Because if they had said, throw it away, and he kept it, well, once they say throw it away, it's kind of not theirs anymore. They have discarded it. But if he was merely supposed to erase it, it's probably still their tape. And, you know, on the other hand, if I were Jeff Emmerich's lawyer in that circumstance, I would probably argue that in that case, really, Jeff Emmerich just owes EMI the cost of a reel of tape in 1962 plus interest. <laughs> but yeah, it does seem from from what I've heard, it does seem to be real. And uh, it really would be an invaluable tape. I mean, the only thing that we have from that session is uh, Love Me Do with Pete Best. And the only reason we have it, seeing as Jeff probably had the tape, is because an acetate was cut and it was found in George Martin's house while they were preparing the anthology. And the other thing we have is Besame Mucho, which seems to have survived on tape from from all I know. So um, whether that's also on this tape or not, I'm not sure. But uh, it, it, whether it's five million, who knows? But um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with this because uh, he was in a position to have taken it if he wanted it. I mean, wasn't the Beatles audition in '62 supposed to be like Jeff's first day of work or one of his first days of work? I mean, I I seem to remember reading about it in his autobiography. He I don't think he mentions taking the tape home. He may have forgotten, you know, it's taken till maybe now the family, for them to find it. Maybe the family just discovered it now. Yeah. yeah. You know, maybe they're, you know, playing through some tapes in his collection just to see what they are. And hey, wow, <laughs> June 662 session. Yeah. We should but send this to been... Alan. <laughs> <laughs> but nothing's been resolved yet from no. this court case. No. Well, these things take a long time, you know, unless they settle out of court, which good chance they probably will. Hmm. Okay. Let's get to a bit more news. Julian Lennon fed us bits of information about him making new music again. On Twitter, he showed a mixing console with the words above it, back at it again, big time. Last few tracks slowly being finished up for what could be considered an album but won't be released as such until after several singles and EPs first. Okay, so something definitely in the works with Julian there. Let's um, hope we get to hear something from him soon. Uh, It's been quite a while since his last album, Everything Changes. I think that was 2012. A new book is coming out in August. It's called George Harrison on George Harrison, Interviews and Encounters, Musicians in Their Own Words. It's by Ashley Kahn, K-A-H-N. It's right now available for pre-order on Amazon. There's a new five-part documentary on the solo career of Paul McCartney available online on YouTube. Looks very good. Um, This was done by a fan. Mm -hmm. 
don't know don't know his name but uh even denny sywell online has praised it and i've seen the first three parts i think it's pretty excellent to tell you the truth there's a lot of interviews with members of wings giving insight on what it was like to work with paul and be part of the group mm-hmm. any of you guys seen this not yet no no yeah. oh it's it's really good i was talking about this on my other podcast show but i especially liked hearing something being said from joe english who you normally you know you don't hear any interviews right from joe but just talking about the fact that um during his time with paul the band was involved with the mixing of their music mm-hmm. you hear so much about it being paul's band and everybody else is kind of like you know it's it's his backing group and nothing more but when you hear people like denny sywell say several times that the band had their hands on you know the wildlife sessions on the mixing board and um i know denny told me that with red rose speedway they were involved with the songs to be picked for the album and the sequencing of the songs there's so much more to it than just being the musicians in paul's band there's what they added as musicians the ideas they brought to the songs it wasn't all just Paul's ideas. The band was a lot more involved than that. And just to hear Joe English say that confirms it for me anyway. Wow. So yeah, I wanted yeah. to just jump back to the Ashley Khan book that you made mention of, which I did not know he was doing. Uh, he was involved in a George Harrison book. I, I've interviewed Ashley Khan on WFUV a couple of times. He's written some essential jazz books, one on Miles Davis's Kind of Blue, one on uh, John Coltrane's A Love Supreme. Uh, he wrote a book on uh, Impulse, the story of Impulse Records. And uh, I think his most recent book uh, was uh, Carlos Santana's. Would it be considered an autobiography if it's written by Carlos Santana and Ashley Khan? The Universal Tone uh, is the name of it, Bringing My Story to Light. So he's uh, an outstanding writer for the George Harrison book. It's about something very cool. Mm, a lot of credentials there. Yeah. Okay. Um, don't forget the 1973 film, That'll Be the Day, starring Ringo with David Essex, is due out July 7th on DVD and Blu ray. And that's from the folks at Kino Lorber. The very same company is also releasing Go Go Mania, also known as Pop Gear. This was a 1965 British music review film which features appearances from British invasion artists like the Beatles. Billy J. Kramer, Peter and Gordon, The Animals, Herman's Hermits, Spencer Davis Group, Matt Monroe, and others. It's 70 minutes long. It includes an audio commentary from our good friend, musician, and journalist, Jeff Slate. Now, I just watched That'll Be the Day for the first time in I can't tell you how many years because <laughs> I have the DVD and I'm giving it away on my website, but I really enjoyed it. And it could be Ringo's best acting performance, I think. So uh, both those coming out on DVD and Blu-ray. That'll be the day and Go-Go Mania. Also, we've talked about the documentary film An Accidental Studio, which is the documentary of George Harrison's handmade films. And it's coming out on Blu-ray on July 28th. I heard a while ago from a trailer online that it was going to be on public television. And I can tell you that in New York City, WNET, Channel 13, that documentary will air July 11th, 12th, and 13th. Okay, elsewhere in the U.S., 
you'll have to check your local public television channel for when it will air GRU. And as I know, Darren always looks at the calendar for a moving record store day around. Uh, the John Lennon single, the 2020 remix for Instant Karma, and the first McCartney album, the Half Speed Master for that. The record store day is now August 29th for both those releases. Limited release of just 7,000 copies for both. The UK's Guitarist magazine has a special 50th anniversary Let It Be guitar special. That's just come out. By the way, Ken, speaking of Blu-rays, there is a new Blu-ray out in the UK. I don't know if it's going to come out here. I, I think maybe not. Of The Family Way, which Paul McCartney wrote the score for. Paul McCartney and George Martin, really. And among the extras on that Blu-ray, uh, apart from the trailer, and uh, there's also a, a BBC uh, play production uh, on which the, the Family Way was based, there's also an interview with Chip Mattinger, our guest on our last show. So mm. surprised he didn't mention it. The guy is so busy. Yeah. He's got so much on his plate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How but, could you uh, keep up with all this? You can't. He probably forgot. <laughs> yeah, well, I just happen to be flipping through Amazon right now, and uh, the only thing I see on Amazon in the U.S. regarding Family Way is a, a Blu-ray that is out now, but it must be an old release that is not uh, is uh, Region Two, so it won't play in the United States. And uh, there's also, uh, again, this must be old a DVD, but nothing looking like a brand new release through Amazon in the U.S. though. Hmm. Okay. Now, since it's been a while, as I said, since the last time we did uh, our news segment here for the show, it's, all, it's just about a month, I think. We haven't had time to even talk about Flaming Pie, which uh, we know the archival release will be coming out on July the 31st. We can't go into too much detail about it, but Needless to say, after its release, we're going to do an entire show on it and review it. But uh, I'm sure most of you know there are many different configurations uh, for the release, including there is a uh, collector's edition, five CD, two DVD, four LP version. There's a deluxe edition that has five CDs and two DVDs. There's also a three LP version, a two LP version, and two CD edition as well. Now, I know that in the last few weeks in particular, there have been a couple of different versions from this box set that have been uh, released online, which you can listen to on YouTube. There was a home recording for Young Boy, and there was also a rough mix of The World Tonight, which are real treats for me anyway. Young Boy is fairly short. It's only a little bit more than two minutes, but to get to hear a little bit of a section in the song, that Paul didn't use in the finished version. Mm -hmm. And the rough mix of the world tonight is really fascinating. You know, it, it's kind of funny. You, you listen to the version that we've known all these years of the world tonight, and I would never call it very produced. It's, you know, it's very simple production, not so much stripped down, but when it's like this and the focus is on the acoustic guitar, it's, it's got such a different vibe altogether than the finished version. And I love listening to an early working version. And you could tell so much of the lyrics hadn't been finished. He's making it up as he's going along with this. Mm -hmm. But it sounds so new and fresh 
this way. Not that I would say the release version was overproduced in any way. I think it was a fairly simple production. But you listen to it this way, and it's it's almost like a different song sometimes. Mm-hmm. So have the two of you heard these these other versions? Yeah. The Young Boy and what do you think? Yeah, I think they're they're interesting. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm always interested in hearing outtakes and demos, and uh, yeah, they're nicely recorded and I, interesting. I don't know. If I listened to. I mean, but I don't think we're talking about the same thing. Or are we the young? Yeah, the young boy uh, demo that's on the EP. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I heard that. It was it was nice. I did not hear the uh, the second one yet. Um, I want to uh, get those, download those. But, uh, yeah, the Flaming Pie set's going to be an interesting one uh, because it's such a special album and an important album in his discography. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we'll, like I said, we'll go more in depth on this at the time of its release. But uh, I think a lot of people, just from knowing that there's a whole disc there of home recordings and another disc with, uh, you know, demos and rough mixes and, you know, if you devour that kind of stuff like we do uh, i think this will be more up your alley but um we'll we'll talk more about that once uh the release comes out so let's go back to talking about the 80th birthday boy (laughs) ringo star darren oh man that is um that's really weird hearing that that ringo's gonna be 80 i mean but if you watch this interview and again, as Ken mentioned earlier in the show, uh, Ringo's birthday news, the, ring, the, um, the uh, YouTube concert for his 80th birthday, this Rolling Stone interview that was issued today. Uh, we all basically have skimmed press releases and haven't uh, and, and watched pieces of the interview, not everything. But just watching a few seconds of Ringo, he does not look or act like he's 80 years old. No, I was just going to uh, say he, that. Yeah. He's remarkable. He, I mean, right now, I mean, I think I'm physically twice his age. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's just amazing. And, and, it, and he mentions one thing that I did when I was skimming through the, the interview, and I watched the whole thing later, uh, the Rolling Stone interview video. His, one of his secrets is he eats a lot of broccoli. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. Peace, love, That's and broccoli. <laughs> That's the secret. All right, so uh, with, with Ringo's 80th birthday coming up July 7th, we decided that we would look back at our favorite Ringo Starr solo songs. Uh, so we decided to uh, compile a list, eat the three of us, of our five favorites. And when we get to mine, and I'll go last, I couldn't, I always find it hard to rank them by best to quote unquote least favorite. So I alphabetized my five. But. Um, <laughs> And so since we're alphabetizing things, we'll start with Alan uh, uh, and find out what his five favorite Ringo Starr solo songs are. Alan? Okay. Um, well, first, before I get to that, um, since we were talking about Ringo's interview uh, that's for Rolling Stone, which I guess you can probably find on YouTube as well, there's another thing that went up on YouTube just within the last few days, um, which is an interview with David Spinoza. Um, oh. Dave, yeah, David Spinoza is, a, you know, sort of like a, a super session guitarist in New York, um, and he played on the 
first um, couple of weeks of sessions for Ram. In the interview, he kind of makes it sound like he plays on the whole album, which kind of isn't what happened. Um, he ended up leaving and Hugh McCracken came in and, and did the rest and is on actually most of the tracks. But um, David Spinoza talks in this interview about having, play, having recorded with Paul, John, and Ringo. Um, he met George, didn't record with him, but um, he may be one of the few people. He thinks the only person, uh, I'm not sure, I haven't looked that up, but um, uh, something tells me Keltner has, has, has easily done three of the Beatles, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, so, uh, but relatively few people have played with three of the four. I don't think anyone's played with all four except each other. <laughs> um, no, that's not true. That's no? not true. Who has? No, um, I only know of two, mm -hmm. and that would be Eric Clapton. Oh, right. And Nicky Hopkins. Oh yeah, okay. Um, but Nicky but... Hopkins doesn't. Nicky mm. Hopkins doesn't count. Nicky Hopkins played with everybody. <laughs> right. He's on every recording ever made. Yeah. <laughs> but Spinoza said something interesting about Ringo, which is like he he really enjoyed working with him, and he's, he would say he said he would say things in the studio like you know uh, you guys you. American studio musicians play with too many notes, you know, come on, it's go for the melody and, you know, keep it simple. And, um, and then he said, but just like in the Beatles, no one listens to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so my, um, five songs, as I often do, I mean, when I'm supposed to pick my favorite among Beatles things, I mean, it's impossible to do. And, um, you know, even the Ringo solo catalog, there are way more than five that I would choose. And if I were really going to go for my favorites, they probably would be predictable things like Photograph and, you know, Don't Come Easy and stuff like that. So I'm going to skip those. And do my five favorite, you know, slightly deeper tracks. The first of which is Six O'Clock from the Ringo album. Um, mm -hmm. Paul McCartney song, it's a beautiful song. He does it well, it's a good recording. Uh, and I think on the last version of Ringo that came out, there was also a, an extended version of it as a bonus track, but it also seemed, uh, I, I kind of like the short one better actually. It seemed uh, more things there were some things I missed in the, in the longer one. So six o'clock, I think that's a good choice. If I say so myself, rack my brain, that is nice. not such a deep track, but, uh, from stop and, and smell the roses. I actually like a lot of stop and smell the roses. I think I might be one of the, you know, six people on the planet who bought it. It, it, it probably two more also in this conversation. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, you know, it's it's kind of, uh, it's it, it, it's a good track. It's energetic. Um, it also, it's for me, it's hard to separate it from the video. I thought the video was kind of amusing with Frankenstein and uh, other stuff going on. Hard Times from Bad Boy. Wow. Uh, yeah. Very nice. Yeah, yeah, I think that, I think all of Bad Boy also gets overlooked. Um, and there are a couple of nice things on that. Well, more than a couple of good things on that record and hard times may be the best for me. Hmm. Uh, 
Then skipping to Old Wave, another one owned by only six people, um, produced by Joe Walsh and uh, the opening track in my car, written by Joe Walsh, Kim Goody, Mo Foster, and Ringo. Kind of a, you know, I, I find it kind of catchy and uh, it's, again, energetic. I seem to go for his energetic ones. Um, well, except for my last choice. The last choice is the remake of Don't Pass Me By on Give More Love. It's not, I'm not saying that I like it necessarily better than the Beatle one, but I think it's, you know, he's taken such a different approach to it. And it was a toss up between that and Photograph, which, you know, is a similar kind of arrangement. They're both very heavy on slide guitar. And I think it's, it's very well played on both those songs. And it has sort of a light laid back character and uh, it just sounds you know it's it's a, it's to me a really good alternative to the needle one mm. very cool yeah. good yeah. list thank you can i can i just say first of all thank you for saying what you said about bad boy because that's an album that i really have grown to love more and more through the years mm -hmm. and just recently, having done a show on, on the Talk More Talk podcast, we did a special on the Agna Rats uh, TV <laughs> special. Mm. And at the very end, you've got the band that was on the Bad Boy album right. doing Hard on My Sleeve and Hard Times. And they're both great performances, and they work really well as live songs to the point where I wish you know, Ringo would do those songs live. Um, yeah. I love every song except his cover of Where Did Our Love Go? Hmm. But uh, everything else on there, they're really good songs. A pretty solid album overall. Yeah, I forgot about Heart on My Sleeve. I might have picked that instead of one of them. I'm not sure. I, I really like hmm. that song too. Uh, yeah. you know, the Agna Rats, it was, it was really kind of interesting because I don't know if you've seen a lot of outtakes from it. A lot of it's online. Yeah. Uh, it's on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, and it's, it's kind of a shame in a way that it's out there because, you know, he did end up going to rehab, cleaning up, and he's been like sober since 89 at least. Um, and the outtakes, you know, he's totally crocked. And yet they managed to put together, I mean, I, I kind of like that show, the Agnarat show. You know, and I think, uh, you know, whatever else was going on in the outtakes, I think they got a good performance from him and Carrie Fisher and Art Carney. And, you know, I, I kind of enjoyed that show and musically as well. I, I kind of thought the performances were good. Also, not to mention George Harrison turning up in it, too. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, it was it was what I called fluff, but it was good fluff. It was good fluff. Yeah. Yeah, there's some really good scenes in there, and I think Ringo's acting, you know, was pretty good. Well, you know, he's playing himself. Yeah. It can't be too difficult to play yourself. <laughs> but to play the, you know, the, the nerdy character of Agnarats and all that. And, you know, it's nice to have Art Carney in there, someone, you know, there's a lot of people there. And this was Carrie Fisher, too, right at the height of star wars fame mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and to have john ritter as well who was a major beatles fan you know there's some there's a lot of treats there in that special but i loved most of all seeing the live performance with that band at the end i kind of wish he kept that band and toured with it mm -hmm. you know dr mm -hmm. john was in there <laughs> <laughs> keith allison you know um yeah. actually d murray hmm 
was, oh, was in yeah. the band too, from Elton John's band. So, yeah, th- there's some really cool moments in it. I just kind of wish that they hadn't wasted, like Angie Dickinson was in there for like ten seconds. <laughs> you know, she's whisking uh, Ringo away to to take him to the police because she had policewoman there. So they used that that character in a way, you know, right. that people identify with policewoman. But, um, you know, for, for a one-hour special, there are a lot of treats. And they really mixed in a lot of his solo music with Beatles songs, too, very well. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, the, the things that you, you remember. If I'm not mistaken, Ringo also made an appearance on the Phil Donahue show around that time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. Bad Boy and, and the special, if, if I'm remembering correctly. And, and Mike Douglas, too, who's in the special. I also uh, recently came across the page out of the TV guide for that week. I yeah. tore out and sent through in like with some like just magazines and stuff from the 70s that I had uh, in my desk when that came out. So that was fun to find that. Mm-hmm. It, it's a charming show. I always like that that show, um, which I think is just called Ringo. If you're looking for an official title. But yeah, uh, I think yeah. that's right. All right, so Alan's favorite Ringo songs, uh, bypassing the obvious, digging deep. Six o'clock, rack my brain. Well, six o'clock from Ringo, rack my brain from Stop and Smell the Roses. Hard times from Bad Boy, in my car from Old Wave, and uh, the re-recording of Don't Pass Me By that you'll find on Give More Love. I always get Ringo's old wave and Neil Young's old ways confused. <laughs> but anyway, uh, time to throw it over to Ken for his. Uh, and I know what a fan, a Ringo fan Ken is, so I can't wait to hear your five. Well, it always seems like Alan has a different criteria every time he puts together his list. <laughs> he I never know. wants to repeat anything that we say. But with me, um, I had to just list it really by my favorites and i'm also going to have to throw in maybe a little bit later on just two other honorable mentions i wanted to put in if it happened to be a classic song or you know what you might think of as obvious if it happens to be my favorite it's in there so number five i put way to the world in there mm-hmm. because i just think that it's such a, a perfect song um, it's the kind of song that I kind of wish Ringo had put out after the Goodnight Vienna album, and it would have probably kept his string of hits going because it has such great hooks in it. It really has like a 12-string guitar, 60s Beatles birds feel to it, and um, it really works for Ringo's voice. The whole Time Takes Time album, I think, is, uh, well, I rate it my second favorite of all of Ringo's albums. And I just think that as a single, it works so well and um, really is a shame that once Ringo, once the hits dried up, it didn't matter how good his music was. The singles weren't going to do well and neither did the albums for that matter. You know, with Time Takes Time, I often wonder what would have happened if the album had come out on a major label in Mm. the early, in 92. Private music was at that time, if there's such a thing, a big indie label. But they were an indie label, and as we found out, a label that was not going to be around much longer, because I think by the mid-90s, it, was, it went under. But uh, 
Weight of the World should have been a charting single, and it would, probably would have been if it came out in the 70s. Hmm. Well, you know, we just discussed this on, on my other podcast, and the thing is, yeah, I agree the record label Private Music probably didn't have as much money to put into the promotion, but you also reach a point in radio, which is the primary way to promote the music of musicians and has been throughout most of our lives, that for music to sell, you have to aim it towards a young demographic audience, that being top 40 radio or even rock radio that has more younger to mid-age, that kind of demographic. But as artists get older, their airplay diminishes on radio stations that cater to younger people. And it just doesn't matter how good the music is. And this, this applies to all veteran artists. You know, unless you find some other radio format, like Elton John is probably the most successful at continuing success with adult contemporary charts. You know, he continued to have a lot of success in the 80s and 90s, especially. And Rod Stewart had some. Eric Clapton had some. But, um, you know, in the case of most veteran artists, the airplay diminishes no matter how good the music is. So if people don't get to hear it, even if your music's played on MTV and VH1, if radio doesn't play it, it's not going to sell that well. So that's a shame because we've talked about this with, you know, so much of the solo music. Ringo's albums from Time Takes Time On have all been really strong, especially the Mark Hudson ones for me. But it doesn't matter how good it is, because if radio is not going to play you based on your age and they're not going to target you towards a younger fan base who buys most of the newer releases, then your records is not going to do that well. So that's what I really put it down to more so even than the record label. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So my fourth song is a personal favorite of mine that I've played a lot on the air. <laughs> Gave it all up, which is from the Ringo the fourth album. Ring of the Fourth is an album I think it's really important in Ringo's career because he really became more and more involved as a songwriter, co-writing six of the ten songs with Vinnie Poncia. This is a really sad song from Ringo, and it works very well for him. It has a very nice melody involved, and I just think it's a, a very touching song to listen to. It's the kind of song you, you can sing or, or think about if you're going to a bar and you're Drowning Your Sorrows. <laughs> I just, uh, I love that song. I love it to death. I think it's one of the best songs he's, he's written. And it just happens to be on an album that gets criticized quite a lot as being one of the weakest of uh, solo Beatle albums. But I think it deserves a lot more credit. Gave it all up. My number three choice is one that I had to put in there. It don't come easy. It is a classic. The fact of the matter is that radio stations, rock stations, even classic hits or oldie stations still play this song. Mm -hmm. It's still in demand out there. It is a great song from start to finish. The combination of Ringo writing the song with some help from George Harrison, the production behind it from George, George's guitar work, everything about it suited Ringo so well. And um, yeah, it's simply a great song. It deserves to be a classic. My second favorite song happens to be one that Alan chose, and that's Six O'Clock. Mm -hmm. And that's another perfect song right there written by Paul 
Everything about it is wonderful. The melody is wonderful, really suits Ringo's vocals. The whole arrangement, I do love the, the keyboard sound and the solo in the middle of it. And, uh, you know, the harmonies, everything that, that was put into that song. It was, um, it's one thing to write a really good song, but it's the other Beatles knew how to write for Ringo very well. And this is the best example of that, pretty much. And my number one choice has to be Photograph. It is a classic. It deserves to be one. George and Ringo wrote it together. It's not just a great song and a great sentiment in the song, but the whole production behind it was so good. And um, I only realized many years later, because I always thought it had a Phil Spector sound to it, but Jack Nitsch was involved with the engineering of the song, and he was someone who worked under Phil Spector. So maybe there was an influence there. But um, the whole arrangement behind Photograph is wonderful. I love the way the flutes come in, you know, and his voice is mixed just great with all the backing vocals. You know, Richard Perry did a tremendous job working with, with Ringo on, on the Ringo album in Goodnight Vienna. I never understood, I never heard an answer from Ringo or him discussing why he chose not to continue with Richard Perry. Maybe it had something to do with leaving Capitol. I have no idea. But I would, I would certainly welcome Richard Perry working with Ringo again, because I think he did a fantastic job on those two albums. Okay. So those would be my five. All right. All right. So Ken goes with, uh, in reverse order, at number five, Weight of the World from Time Takes Time. Gave it all up from Ringo the Fourth is number four. Uh, clever, Ken. Uh, at number three, uh, It Don't Come Easy. Uh, two, Six O'Clock, which Alan also picked, uh, Six O'Clock from Ringo, and Photograph, also from Ringo, uh, at number one. So we've had only one, right? We've had, yeah, we've had only one uh, duplicate, and we're going to have only, no, we're going to have two more when I do my list, which is going to happen right now. And like I said before, mine's alphabetized. So we'll start off. With um, Back Off Boogaloo, 1972 single released just days before my seventh birthday in 1972. Back Off Boogaloo was Ringo's second hit uh, here in this country, his third single overall. And I just think that's quintessential Ringo, that song. And he does as well because he's covered it himself a few times over the years. How many other versions of it there are? Two, two or three more? I think two. Right, Ken? Um, there's the one on Stop and Smell the Roses, which is like a medley of Beatles songs, titles and everything wrapped around the song Back Off Boogaloo. And then there's the other version that was a bonus track on Give More Love. Right. Okay, so two more. Yeah, so Back Off Boogaloo is on in my top five. Uh, next up, we go to the Time Takes Time album from 1992. I was so excited when this album came out because it was so good. And it had it felt like it was a lifetime since uh, Ringo had new music out. I picked Don't Go Where the Road Don't Go, hmm. which is a great song live. I wish Ringo would still perform it today with the All-Star Band. It was one that he did perform back in the day. But uh, that's another uh, quintessential Ringo song as far as I'm concerned. Don't Go Where the Road Don't Go from Time Takes Time. Then we're going to go with uh, a song that Ken picked, It Don't Come Easy, uh, Ringo's first solo hit and his second single in the U.S. 
And it was released a little over a month after my sixth birthday in 1971. <laughs> and it just really worked out this way. I don't think there was any, uh, it was a coincidence that by that time, by 71, I owned one solo single from each of the Beatles, the oldest song being My Sweet Lord, whether or not I got it, probably didn't get it until 71, and uh, also had Power to the People, Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey, and It Don't Come Easy. So uh, so that's my third song. Uh, number four, we jumped to 1998 to Vertical Man for King of Broken Hearts. Hmm. Uh, I really like King of Broken Hearts, terrific song song that could be covered by a, a variety of different artists. And wrapping things up uh, at number five, the only, let me see if I'm right here. Yeah, Ringo had a hand at writing the other four. This one's, I guess, would be a cover, even though it was written for Ringo by Elton John and Bernie Taupin, Snookaroo from Goodnight Vienna in 1974. Another one that I would love to have heard Ringo perform live way more than he has. So, he's never uh, done it live. <laughs> he's never done it live. See, he could do it a lot more. Uh, so, so there's my five. Back off Boogaloo, 1972 single. Don't go where the road don't go. From time takes time in eighty in ninety two rather. Excuse me. Uh, then we have a Don't Come Easy from seventy one. King of Broken Hearts from nineteen ninety eight. It's a Vertical Man, and Snookaroo from Goodnight Vienna, nineteen seventy four. Written by Elton John and Bernie Taupin. And again. Alan went with six o'clock, rack my brain, hard times, in my car, don't pass me by, the give more love version. Ken going with at number five, weight of the world. Number four, gave it all up. Number three, it don't come easy. Two, six o'clock, and one photograph. Can I throw in a couple of honorable mentions? Yes. Okay. In a heartbeat, which is okay. a song from Time Takes Time. Right. It really, I mean, you talk about a song with perfect hooks, certainly has a 60s feel. And I always kind of felt like it sounds a bit like Don't Worry Baby from the Beach Boys. And Diane Warren, who was one of the leading female songwriters of that time, wrote so many hit records at that moment. Uh, she wrote that song. And I think it really suited Ringo's vocals. Love the whole arrangement of it. There's so many songs that Ringo's done from Time Takes Time on where I've said to myself, God, if this had been released in the 70s, it would have been a hit. And A Heartbeat yeah. is another one of those songs, just like Weight of the World. And um, yeah, if you love, there's certain songs on, on Time Takes Time that have a 60s feel to them, like Weight of the World and In a Heartbeat. And uh, really, I mean, <laughs> I, I wish that was a hit. It certainly deserves to be a hit. And one song that, uh, that was mentioned before is Hard on My Sleeve from the Bad Boy album was written by the team of Gallagher and Lyle. And it's just another song where I feel it was very suitable for Ringo. Very simple melody. Love the sentiment. Love the message in it. Somebody who wears his heart on his sleeve tells you how he feels. You tend to get burned. You tend to get bruised. But it's my life, whatever I choose. I just think that was a song that was really most suitable for him. And it's another song that I wish had been a hit. And uh, yeah, and, and like we talked about the Agner Rat special, he did that one live. Sure wish he would do that one live. As you know, Snookaroo, since you mentioned it, that's that's way up high on the top of my list for songs I wish Ringo would do live. Because I really think it would work very well live as a, as a live 
performance. Yeah. Has a lot of energy behind it. So he always has great keyboard players in his band. So if you don't have Elton, you know, have Greg Raleigh on the piano, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right, but yeah. uh, it's, uh, yeah, Snookaroo is definitely one that should be up there on the list. Yeah, Photograph and uh, the title track to Choose Love were kind of like bubbling under my top five. Uh, and at one point I had Photograph in there, but, you know, I really wanted to uh, make sure I picked some uh, some more recent things in there. So King of Broken Hearts and, you know, um, Don't Go With The Road, go, go kind of bumped it. I'd say Photograph would be six on my list. Choose Love, perhaps seven. Hmm. And uh, so, uh, Alan, do you have any other uh, kind of uh, auxiliary picks? Uh, You know, a lot of them, some of the ones that you guys had picked um, came close to being on my list and things like, um, you know what, I kind of like Runaways. Um, That was kind of an interesting tune just because he was trying to take on a, a social issue. You know what I, I think is is kind of kind of interesting is that you know Ringo is always portrayed as like this guy who just sort of lucked into the Beatles, and you know isn't expected to do as well as all the others. But I think first of all, in, you know, in Tune In, Mark Lewison pretty much showed us that at the time Ringo joined the Beatles, he was actually the most accomplished musician of the bunch, and I think you know just. In, in our picks, I mean, we picked 15 songs plus the, the extras that you guys have mentioned um, and had only a little bit of overlap. And I, I just think that a lot of his stuff is overlooked a little unfairly, you know, because especially, you know, uh, what Ken was talking about with you know, radio play and, and all that kind of things and the way, the way that it has all changed in recent decades kind of militates against him getting the airplay he needs to have hits. And and that's kind of sad because the material itself, you know, a lot of it is really good. I mean, we could, we could easily each, you know, come back next week with five different ones, you know? Um, mm, right. And uh, so, you know, happy 80th Ringo. And, you know, Alan, I say that about all veteran artists, not just Ringo. Mm-hmm. The idea that the only good music that artists have is what sells or the biggest sellers yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah. And you can go through any of the people that I mentioned, Elton John, Eric Clapton, you know, Rod Stewart. I'm sure if you're fans of any of those people, you'll find music in recent years, in recent decades that you think deserve as much attention as their most well-known stuff. Yeah. So, you know, certainly say that about Paul McCartney. So. That's why I bring that up about radio. Yeah. Although the question remains, is radio as important as it used to be in this day and age? Hey. So maybe that's something. Hey, <laughs> I'm in the same <laughs> business as you there, Darren. I want it to be. Yeah. I don't it's, think it's, I, I, exactly. I can't even remember the last time I actually listened to radio. I mean, I listened to it in the car, but it's NPR. Um, mm. At this point, you know, I buy recordings that are first of all by you know people i like of which there are enough of to keep me totally you know out of pocket uh, and uh you know other things that i hear i'm not even sure how i hear i'm not listening to radio but um just some things catch my eye and i'll see what it is 
you know, and I'll, I'll, mm. you know, get it. But, um, you know, it's been, I, I don't even know what the stations up here in Portland are. You know, I've, I've, I listened to each of them for a few minutes so that I can figure out which ones I want to have on the buttons in my car radio. <laughs> but that's, you know, but then I just pretty much listen to NPR when I'm in there. So, or else Sirius, Sirius XM, you know, s- streaming from mm. my iPhone through the car. Yeah, well, and of course, and of course, Monday through Thursday nights at ten o'clock, you stream WFUV to hear your pal Darren DeVivo. That's right. Yeah, I'm always there. Uh, yeah, I, I do it. <laughs> and and you stream all the radio stations that carry every little thing, right. right? When it's on, right? And that you know, I mean, I I don't even think of them as radio. I just think of them as you guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's actually a, a friend of mine uh, who used to work at WFUV, uh, I'm almost positive, owns, uh, and, well, it is an FM, I thought it was just an, an AM uh, station in uh, Maine, and the call letters just disappeared from my computer screen here, WCME, hmm. uh, which is 900 AM and uh, 99 point, is this 99.5 FM, I think it's some kind of a news and uh uh, yeah, it's news, talk, and music, and sports, kind of a high, you know, everything serves everyone type station. But uh, Jim Blycamp, who used to be our news director at WFUV, I believe, owns the station, and uh, WCME. So there's another one for you to check out, Alan. Yeah, I can make believe I'm tuning into WBAI at 99.5. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess uh, we have uh, hit that uh, point in the show when... It's over. Hmm. So it's uh, let's go around the around the horn here and share everyone's contact information. Uh, Sticking with alphabetical order, we'll start with Alan. (laughs) Okay. Easiest way to get in contact with me is through Facebook, either Alan Cozen or Alan Cozen Remixed. You can get in contact with all of us at things we said today radio show at gmail.com. That's our email address. It's one long word things we said today radio show at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at, at things we said fab. And we have a couple of Facebook pages apart from my own personal Facebook pages and all your guys' Facebook pages. Uh, Things We Said Today, Beatles Radio Fans is the main one, and also there is just a plain old Things We Said Today page. All right. Uh, We'll skip the alphabetical order and throw it over to you, Ken. That's because we're saving the best for last. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, a few things I have to mention here. I'm appearing on several podcast shows. Uh, in part discussing my radio career, my 2000 show Milestone, and other themes connected with the Beatles. Um, I'm on a show called Fans on the Run with Ethan Alexanian. Ethan is from Canada, and he's 18 years old. And he likes to ask people questions about the Beatles, how they got into the Beatles, what their favorite music is from the Beatles. So I share all that with Ethan on the show, as well as how the Beatles influenced me. That's on his program called Fans on the Run. There's another podcast show, Tomorrow Never Knows, with Warren Brown and Bob Wilson. They kind of took a this is your life approach with me and sprung that on me by surprise. And a whole bunch of people appeared as special guests on the show uh, to congratulate my achievement. So check out Tomorrow Never Knows and look up my name there. And also, 
I'm on uh, a podcast show from Plastic EP. This is a wild and wacky Australian guy. <laughs> he goes by that name, Plastic EP. Interviews a lot of people. He's all over YouTube. He's got his own page there. He's all over Facebook. And uh, we spent a half an hour talking about my career there. Asked me all kinds of questions about the Beatles. Why Leave My Kitten Alone wasn't released when it should have been. You know, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. It's uh, That's on his page. Again, Plastic EP. All these podcasts are on YouTube. Fans on the Run, Tomorrow Never Knows, and Plastic EP. I will be on Sam Wiles, Paul, Paul McCartney, solo show, podcast show called Paul or Nothing, discussing flowers in the dirt. Uh, my syndicated Beatles show called Every Little Thing. There's a new show premiering this week. And the last segment, I include songs that Ringo has covered throughout his entire career. I had to have something ready for Ringo's 80th birthday. So if you want to hear all the radio stations, if you want to see all the radio stations that run every little thing, there is a page on my website, kenmichaelsradio.com. It lists all the radio stations, the broadcast times, with links to their website so you can stream them. Also, if they're heard on other platforms like TuneIn or Alexa. Okay, so that's on my website. Speaking of my website, you know that every single week I have Beatles trivia on there. Brand new prizes to give away, as I mentioned before, the brand new DVD or Blu-rays for both That'll Be the Day, the movie with David Essex and Ringo Starr from 1973, and Go Go Mania, that 1965 all-British Invasion performance uh, concert, concert review. That's on the website. I'm also giving away Lania Stagg's book, Recipe Records, a culinary tribute to the Beatles. There was a recent interview I did with Chip Manninger and Mark Easter. Chip was on our show last time. If you want to hear more of that, that's on my interviews page four page. And I do believe that covers everything. You sure? I think so. I hope so. <laughs> and as for me, uh, first of all, if you want to catch me on the radio, uh, WFUV, if you're in the New York City tri-state area, 90.7 FM. Uh, also 90.7 FM HD2, if there are any other HD heads still out there. Other than that, you could stream at WFUV.org or listen on the WFUV app. I can be heard Monday through Thursday night starting at 10 till midnight, which is uh, kind of the result of uh, the pandemic. Uh, the logistics, we're all broadcasting from home at WFUV now. And uh, probably will be for some time. And just the technical uh, logistics of things, also known as Darren, has no idea what the technical end of things is. He just does what he's told. My show has been trimmed to two hours till 10 p.m. to midnight. Normally would go to 2 a.m. Monday through Thursday nights. But also as a result of the pandemic, I can be heard Saturday afternoons from 1 to 4 uh, on WFUV. Email me at uh, Darren DeVivo at WFUV.org, and I have two Facebook pages, Darren DeVivo, and uh, what started out as my radio page, and is now, uh, I guess, like the flip side, the B side, Darren DeVivo, WFUV DJ, Beatles podcaster, writer. So those are the two Facebook pages. Join both of them, and we'll cover all bases. And uh, that's it for things we said today, our... Happy birthday to Ringo edition. Happy 80th birthday, Ringo. Uh, for Alan Cozen, for Ken Michaels, I'm Darren DeVivo. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Peace and love. Peace and love.